Hey, good morning. Hey, if you're new, um, we are really glad that you're here worshiping with us today. I'm Charlie, the lead pastor here, and um, like Mark said, we are uh, in the second week of a series that we just started uh, just kind of talking about the importance of church, and you know, a lot of this just comes from this sense in which, you know, where it was almost six months ago where the world just kind of broke, and um, we weren't able to meet in person there for a couple of months, and there was just this sense in which, you know, we missed something, and we maybe weren't even completely sure why, and then as we're trying to slowly start to come back, it's like you kind of build this new habit of kind of not, and it's like, do we really remember? Do we remember that? Do we remember like this important need that we have to be together? And so this series is in part birthed out of that, just kind of going from, we looked at the Old Testament last week, and we looked at some things in the New Testament uh, this week, and we're just kind of continue on just asking these questions, like why this matters? Why does it matter that God's people uh, collectively come together and, and are the church? And, it's kinda, and so uh, we'll be doing that for the next few weeks. And with that in mind, I want to give you just a quick announcement in the non-announcement time. With the, with the desire of continuing to uh, want people to be here, part of the Grove Church, worshiping together, but also wanting to um, do things in a, in a safe way, um, for the last few weeks, if you've been online, you don't know this. If you've been in the room, you do know this, is that things have started to fill up. And by fill up, I don't want you to... No, there's, no, there's no picture here that could, that could go viral. That's always been kind of one of the things I scare. Like, I, I don't want to ever accidentally be in one of those pictures. Can you believe this? Click. Like, no, I, don't, I don't want that. And that's not that. When I say full, I mean full in a safe way, right? And um, we've we kind of reached the capacity of what we feel like we can do and maintain the, the distancing that we feel like we still should. And so starting in two weeks, we're going to go back to two services, so we're off for our 9 o'clock and our 10.30. So I want you to be aware of that. That will be in two weeks. And there'll probably be some time, there'll be some adjustment with that where people will like, I really like 10.30. Nine seems early all of a sudden, but we're back in school and work now so that we're not buying that. But, and, but there's some people I know that have actually missed the 9 o'clock service. And so we'll probably have to do some adjustment with that because we're going to do the best thing that we can to be able to have two evenly spread out services where we continue to worship together but can continue to do it in a safe way. So last week, as we um, were looking at why it's important for us to be together, we started all the way back in Genesis, where God looks at Adam, who has this perfect relationship with God. Um, no sin, no sin in his life, this kind of face-to-face intimacy with God. Everything else in his life was perfect, but God looked at him and said, it's not good that you're alone. That there was still... In a perfect world with a perfect relationship with God, there was still a gap in Adam's life. And again, I mentioned this last week, that is a very popular passage to use when you are talking about marriage. You're talking about marriage intimacy, but it is more than that. It is, it is, a, it is, a, it is a, a demonstration by God from the very beginning that we were created to be in relationship. And as I was thinking about that, getting ready for this week, I know that there are some people out there that you can hear that principle and think, yes, it is important for there to be companionship. Yes, there is important that there be some sort of intimacy. These things are important. But there is one area in which it, 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 that's really not important, and really it can be detrimental. And that is in my spiritual life. 
And I've heard people say this for as long as I've been talking to people, even before I was a pastor, just talking to people about their faith, their relationship with God, who, who Jesus is to them. You, you hear this a lot, that my faith is very personal. And by personal, they'll also say, my, my faith is it, it's private. My relationship with God is, is my own business, and, and it, that's only between me and God. And then you can hear it kind of expressed sometime with this kind of peaceful nobility of just, you know, I don't need to be a part of a church to connect with God. I mean, all I really need is like, I just, I can, I can just go out and, 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 and walk in the woods and just experience God in that way. I just, I just need to sit on my back porch with a cup of coffee and, 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 and look at the sky and just, and I, I can experience and encounter God that way. That is church to me. And, and, and as I was rehearsing this in my head over the last couple days, like, I, I was like, I hope it doesn't come out with that snarky voice that I get sometimes. Because I don't, I don't necessarily mean it with the snarky voice. I, I, don't, I don't mean it that way. I, was like, I don't want it to come out like, it's just me and the trees. I, I don't want it to come out like that. Because I don't necessarily to feel mocked. Because there is a sense in which our relationship with God is personal. God, we talked about this last week, that God thinks of us collectively as his people and often kind of views us, both the blessings and, 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 and the judgment comes on collectively us as a people as opposed to individually. But it is also still true that God cares and loves for you individually and wants to connect with you personally. But there are just overwhelming limits to what God will do in your life. I don't want to say can, because that seems to put the limit on God. Really, the limit is on you, of what you are going to be able to receive from God if your relationship remains only personal, only private, because there are some things that can only really be accomplished in the context of relationship, in the context of being followers of God, followers of Jesus Christ, in doing that together. And so we're going to look today at a very famous passage, and a passage that has, um, that anytime any pastor anywhere tries to talk about why church matters and why, why we all be together, there's, there's just a couple of passages like everybody just, just kind of is like, well this, is, well, this is the one, boom, go to. And, and sometimes I don't like to do that. It's like, I would rather just, you know, we're going to look at Ezekiel 3 today. I'm like, what? But sometimes you just got to go, to, you just got to go to the mainstay, this passage it's in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. And the context of this is Jesus is now, uh, he's, he's, he died, he came back, he interacted with his disciples for a few days, gave them their big mission, go reach the world for me. But he says, before you do that, I want you to wait and the Holy Spirit's going to come. So fast forward a few days, the Holy Spirit comes and they are overwhelmed with uh, these gifts and this ability to communicate to people in other languages. And so this powerful message gets preached by Peter. And 3,000 people put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ in that day. And overnight, they went from essentially a group of 70-ish people to over 3,000 people just in an instant. And so there was really no time for church structures, they did not, weren't able to conduct any business meetings, they, weren't, they didn't have a 
bylaws, a charter, or anything like that. They not incorporate themselves as a church. None of that. But yet, in that moment, immediately afterwards, I think what we would call church, what church is supposed to be, immediately begins to happen. God's Spirit is with them, and very naturally, again, without any buildings, without any bylaws, they just instinctively knew God showed them, the Spirit just kind of led them to be the church. And this passage really is a model, ultimately, for who we need to be and why church really should matter to all of you. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There really is, like I said, this is actually one of my my favorite passages. Um, I I don't think that I would be exaggerating to say that in varying contexts I have preached or taught on this passage 20, 25 times. And I think about it a lot. It really is kind of a foundational passage, I think, for, for me and kind of what church is supposed to be. And so I could talk about this forever. Um, I could have 10 different things that we could highlight out of this. But what we're going to do right now, I think, is we're just going to highlight on just really three things. Three things that I think that if, if, if we were to live life like this, the benefits that we would see... And in our own lives, why this really matters, why it should matter to us to be the church. Um, individually, individually, I need to be a part of the church and what we need from each other in the church. And then ultimately, we'll look at kind of what the result of that was. And the first thing that they, that they did, that I need to make sure that we understand that we need to do, is that they learned together. They learned together. And so you see it a couple different times. Like they were with the apostles and they would, they would pray together. They would learn together. They would hear from the apostles. They would, they would teach them. This man, we were with Jesus. I know you're just kind of new to this, but we were with Jesus. And this is the, there's this one time we were hanging out with Jesus and, and he did this miracle. And here's what that means. And Jesus used to tell all these parables and, and he said this and everybody was confused. and It was kind of weird. And we're like, Jesus, what are you even talking about? And he explained to us what it meant. And this is what it meant. And this is what it means for you. And Jesus, he used to spend some time with us explaining to us what the Old Testament meant. And this passage, you may be familiar with it, but did you know that it means this? And over and over again, it said they would come together, they would be together all the time, learning about God. They would learn what God had to say, what Jesus had to say, what, what, who God was, and the implications about who God, was, who God is, who you are, and what that means for your life. And, and they would learn together. And I think it is incredibly important. And again, not in a mocking tone. You cannot do that, you walking around in the forest just by yourself, thinking and meditating about God. Well, it's not just that. I, I can study the Bible for myself. 
Yeah, sure. And you absolutely need to do that. You need to be reading the Bible for yourself. You need to be studying the Bible for yourself. But can we just all agree, and I'm not going to insult anybody's intelligence here, but you individually are really, really limited. You just only can know what you know, and you're only going to see what you see. And you, with the Bible, and your limited experience, your limited understanding, you're only going to see some things. You have, we have, huge blind spots. There are things that you're doing that God really, really doesn't like that you've decided are okay. There are things that you're not doing and you're not doing them for what you think are good reasons and God thinks, why aren't you doing that? There are things that you are believing about yourself. There are things that you are believing about God that you have decided that are true. And those things are eating at your soul every day. And those things that you believe are true are not true. And every time you go to the Bible, you still only see those things. Because the interesting thing about the Bible, one, it's, it's really big. You might notice that like there's, a, there's a lot of words in it. There's a lot to it. A lot of different perspectives. And if you just focus on a couple of things, and you just kind of narrow your search, and, and, and the Bible is overwhelmingly full of nuance... You've heard people say this, and they say it because it's true to some degree. Man, you can make the Bible say whatever you want. That is 100% true. You can look at the Bible, manipulate it, pull verses out of context, take a story you don't understand, and say, this is what that means. And, and you look at that, well, I guess maybe the Bible does say that. And, and there's nothing... I wish all politicians would just shut up about it. All of them. None of them. Because if, if you listen to a politician long enough, you think, well, Jesus was a socialist. This is, this is, this is dumb. Well, if you read Paul, Paul, Paul clearly would want to dismantle the welfare state because this one verse, in this one context, he said, if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. Therefore, the Bible is against the welfare state. You just, just spew in ignorance. Every last one of them. Well, the Bible does say that. Jesus did tell you. Jesus did talk about we should share with everybody. This verse right here, this passage you just did, that's socialism. There's no government involved here, okay? Can we just... You just but, you, but, but you see things a certain way. You have this particular lens through which you see the world, and you take your lens, your world, you put it on the Bible, and the Bible says exactly what you want it to say. But, the more of us we can get together at once, and discuss, and understand, and talk about the Bible, then I'll say, well, well maybe that thing I always thought isn't, well, maybe, maybe, and maybe, it's like, did you know, what, what? Well, there is something over here, and suddenly, collectively together, um, 
we can really better and more deeply understand who God is, who I am, who we are, and what God wants from us. But coming to church is not necessarily a, a, a foolproof um, solution to that because then what happens is I see the Bible in my very narrow way. It's like, well, I know I'm supposed to go to church. And so I join together with as many people as I can who only see the world exactly the way that I do. And now there's 50 of us, 100 of us, 200 of us, even 1,000 of us who all see things the same way. And then we can still all agree with each other that we're all right. And I just want to encourage you. If the people that you're studying the Bible with, I will just say it this way. If the people who stand in this general area, me and Mark, if not every now and then we don't say something that's like, I, I think I wish he hadn't said that. That made me a little uncomfortable. I don't think I like that. I don't think I necessarily agree with that. You need some of that. And I'm not saying I'm 100% right about everything, and anytime I say something you disagree with, I'm right, you're wrong. Obviously, I think that. I'm not going to just say something I'm wrong just to be controversial. But, I mean, take it. Go read it for yourself. Maybe you still think Jesus is a socialist. Why don't you read it and come tell me about it? And you write to me. You send me an email. Uh, it's uh, mark at thegrovechurch.org. <laughs> With all the verses where Jesus or Paul talked about the way the state government should function. Just put all the lists together. All the things that the, that, that the Bible says, that Jesus said and that Paul says about the way that the state government should function. Unfortunately, all the things that it says about the way government should function are going to be the Old Testament, and none of us are wanting that. <laughs> but I'm saying, what I'm saying is this. Your perspective about God, about yourself, about his plan for your life, about what he wants for all of us, it needs to be challenged. It needs to be challenged all the time, and you're not up to it. I don't think that there has ever been a major shift in my understanding about myself or God and what he wants for me that happened in my personal Bible study. The things that happen in my personal Bible study are usually very encouraging to me, maybe convicting me of a sin that I already knew was a problem. I mean, awesome things happen. A personal connection with God. But the times in my life where I look back and I think, man, dude, you were way wrong about that. And God shifts me. It is because I continue, I, I, I continue to read and study and listen to people who are different than me. The best Christian books I read are not the ones that are written, that, that are the books that I would have written. It are the books that I never would have written. The best podcasts and the best sermons aren't the ones like, you know, I really like that guy. The best ones are, I don't, I don't think I like that guy. But when I hear him, I, I, I got to take a minute. I think I've lost my... Uh, the thread of what we were talking about. <laughs> Don't study the Bible by yourself. Just by yourself. We need, to be, we, we need to be studying and interacting with God's Word together. That means on Sunday, and like Mark mentioned earlier, it means in our small groups. Because you're going to see 
and hear and experience, experience things that you wouldn't have otherwise. And I'm telling you, that's where real growth is going to happen. Real growth is when me and you and you and you, we look at what God has to say and we look at it together. And that's what they were doing. They were, they were learning together. But they were doing more than that. They lived life together. They lived life together. It says it some different ways. It says they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Verse 44, all the believers were together. Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Courts, they, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Basically, they just did their normal life, but they lived that life. They lived life together. It wasn't just simply that they, they met and then they went and lived life. They lived life together. So they hear from the apostles, they're discussing God's word, and they're learning a lot of things about who God is and about who I am and what God wants for me and God's plan. They're putting all of these things together. Now I know things, and now they're going out together and living out these things together. So you, you hear something, it's like, wow, man, if that's true... I need to treat my wife differently than, than I have been. Man, if that's true, then I need to be a better parent. If that's true, I probably need to work harder. If that's true, I probably just need to be generally nicer than what I am. Right? So I'm hearing all of these things, and I realize they have implications for my life, and now I'm living these things out with other people. Has there ever been somebody or a group of somebodies in your life that you're like, when I'm with them, I just want to be a better person? When I'm with them, honestly, if I take it another step, when, I, when I'm with them, I think, I think I am a better person. I just, something about them, something about watching them, something about being around them makes me want to be better. Man, I really admire their marriage. They seem to really connect in a way that I don't. And then all of a sudden I start watching like, he only says encouraging things to his spouse. He never says those things that I say. And, and, and when I make those jokes at my spouse's expense and I look for the laughs, he never laughs. I struggle with my kids. But my kids are better kids with their kids. And I'm like, how, how, how is it they got such good kids? And I see, it's like, if my kid did that, I'd have screamed my head off. He took that one kid aside and, and, and spoke to him kindly but sternly. That's very different. I'm hanging out with, with, um, with, with, with other people at work. And it's like, he doesn't, he doesn't seem to take quite as many extended bathroom breaks as I do. He, seem, he, he gets here on time every day. 
He, he just seems to be kind and respectful. He doesn't seem to participate in that gossip the way that the rest of us do. I mean, the things that God says about you, I mean, those have practical implications for your life. And the best way for us to learn how to live those things out is together. So they were learning together. They were living life together. But then they also, they helped each other. Verse 45, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Right beside the up before. Verse 44, they were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Anytime anyone amongst them had any sort of problem, they met the need. They learned together, they lived life together, they helped each other. If somebody needed help, they made sure that they got it. They got the help that they needed. Oh, wait, you don't have enough food for this week. Well, I've got, I'll, just, I'll just sell this and give you the money so you can have food. Oh, you don't have a place to stay? I'll give you a place to stay. They made sure that everyone around them, that they were, that they were doing okay. No matter what the need was, they rallied to meet it. Now, I want to extend that just a little bit beyond just physical needs. I want to come, I'll come back to physical needs, I promise you. But I just want to extend it even further than that. If I said to you right now, what do you need? Probably for a lot of us, finances and physical things wouldn't be an issue. In other contexts, in other people, in other congregations, it might be. And for you, some of you, it may be. And again, we'll come back to that. But there are other things beyond that that we need. And this is what God has called us to do, to be for each other. You have needs. There are things that you're struggling with. There's hurts and there's pains and there's, there's things that are going on. There's things going on. It's, there's just something that's just not right and I, and I need to help. I need somebody to see me in my fear and my desperation and my hopelessness. And I need help. I'm not okay whether it's physically, spiritually, emotionally, I'm not okay. And I need help. And it sounds to me like, no matter what the problem was, if someone had need, they were there to help. They met the need. Now there's a couple of reasons why this doesn't happen. And, 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 and the problem is sometimes with the person who has the need, and sometimes it's with the people who have the resources for the need. I, I, I want to speak first and maybe just a little bit strongly to the people who have the need. Please tell us. Please stop allowing pride and some sense of this misguided idea that you're supposed to be living life independently that you're supposed to be able to take care of yourself. Will you, please, will you please just stop with that? There are people in this room, there are people on the other side of this camera, there are people that I know that in a heartbeat, that if you had a, 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 a physical need, I don't know how I'm going to make rent this month. I don't know how I'm going to make rent the next six months. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills for the next three months. I need $100, I need $1,000, I need $5,000, I need $10,000. They ask you this, do you think right now if you needed $10,000, do 
in order to be able to survive, that this church could come up with that money for you. Absolutely. I've seen it happen in the years that I've been here. When we were significantly smaller, with significantly less resources, I've seen this church come up with large sums of money in two days, like that, for people who need it. And yet, pride and fear and shame and all of these things are keeping us from saying, I need a little bit of help. We have this awesome community care ministry that gives away thousands of dollars every month to people who have needs. But right now, the the only people that we're giving it to are the people who are so broken that they have no fear or shame in talking to complete strangers and saying, I need help. Meanwhile, I know for a fact that over the last five months that there are people here in this church, there have to be, there have to be people in this church who because of this, this pandemic and and the struggling economy aren't making it. But then it's not going to say anything. Why? Please tell us. And beyond that, you're hurting, you're broken. I've, 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 I've lost something. And there's a hole in me. And, I, and, I, and I, I can't seem to get it right. I need help. I need somebody to give me a boost. and I, I need it. Please tell us. I believe in the people here. I believe that no matter what it is, we would rally. And so I say to you, if there are some people who take me up on this offer over the next few days, be ready. Because this is what God has designed us for. To meet each other's needs, to help each other. And ultimately the result, they brought life to the world. They had favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. If you could imagine a place where really learning in sincere and awesome ways kind of who God is and what He wants from us. And then we were living life together in such a way where we were all just becoming better at the real parts of our lives. Better parents, better friends, better, better, better kids, better 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 spouses, better employees, just better people. We're just becoming better people because of the way that we're influencing each other. And then there's just nobody around us who ever has a need because when there is one, it just gets met immediately. If, If church were like that, church would have a completely different reputation in the hearts and the minds of people who don't go to church. That's the kind of reputation they had and they couldn't contain the growth of the number of people who wanted to be a part of that community. So if we will just focus on being who God has called us to be as His church, it will be unbelievable the level of impact that collectively we will be able to have together on our community and our world. So let's let's be that church. Let me pray.